If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next bullet encounter is going to explode into your game with the fury of a thousand sharks. And here's why. In this episode, we find answers to can the bullet get a punch up with the fierce fuckers it was originally inspired by? And how can we use horror to make hackles go straight up at the table with a boulette? And what are some tweaks that we can add to the bullet for new and exciting challenges? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. The dark skies erupt with lightning and thunder. A rumbling picks up in the earth. It builds, strengthens, threatens to become something more. A furious shriek pierces the air from behind you. Moments pass, then another shriek. More of them whip through the grasslands, now coming from many directions all around you. Far too close, the earth starts to seep away like sand in an hourglass, forming a pit. As the pit forms, it spews forth a writhing mass of hulking beasts, all desperately clawing to return to the heart of their struggle. They gnash through earth, stone, and the thick armored hide of their kin. Carnage spills from the ground in a building fury. It is unrelenting. So holy hell, today we're talking about boulettes. Boulets. No, not boulet. What are you saying? Bullet. You're kind of... No, but you're doing something weird there. Bullet. Still doing something weird. Bulletties? <laughs> I'm certain it's not bulletties. <laughs> well, which is it then, Hotshot? Well, come to think of it, I don't know if I know. I... I could see a call to pronounce it in a couple of those ways, but also there was a couple there that sounded just tragically uh, incorrect. Well, be ignorant no longer, because I did a bit of a deep dive, and I now have an official answer. Go on. So this monster was originally pronounced Boulet, and this is a very common comment that I found in the minds of Reddit and such places, people saying, Boulet, it's a Boulet. Purists yeah. say Boulet. Yeah. But the original creator, Tim Cask, named it that and pronounced it as such as a dig to the French. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, weird dig. I'm going to get it pronounced Boulet so that... Ha <laughs> ha! Fuck French. <laughs> what? How does that make any sense? Well, you know, back in the 70s, there were, you know, still that anti-French sentiment going on. Just because people don't like baguettes or... You know, I don't want to get into all the politics of it. But... <laughs> a... Wow. Who knew that you would open up a wormhole of politics from the pronunciation yeah. of a ridiculous monster, a land shark monster based on a toy from the 70s? And the point here 
is that if you think Boulay is respecting its origins, it's respecting an insult to the French. It's not respecting its actual pronunciation. So, you know, let's abandon that because language <laughs> changes and evolves through time. And if you don't agree with that, just listen to these. The word ration used to rhyme with nation. So it was ration. That's weird. Trough was trock. <laughs> let's dig a trock. No. No, that sounds stupid. Antique was antic, and blush was bluish. <laughs> You're going to make me bluish. That sounds... Oh, that sounds bad. Real bad. That sounds upsetting. <laughs> so let's just pronounce things the way that they sound good. Boulette. To further the point, and actually probably a more direct route to this conclusion, is D&D Beyond, when you press the little, like, read it for me button, it says... Bullet. And since D&D Beyond was recently purchased by Wizards of the Coast, the official pronunciation is Bullet. Well, all right. If you want to take the quick route and not go through. <laughs> we went on a journey through language of history. Yeah. So all of that aside, the Bullets. I have a problem with Bullets. My problem is that on the surface, you look at them and you go, Cool. Land shark. Epic. Epic. This tough, thick-hided, uh, they've got claws, they've got gnashing mouths. They can mess my players up. I'm really excited for this. I mean, sharks are badass enough swimming through the water, but these things are swimming through the earth? That's hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Earth is hard, Jordan. In my DM mind, I go... This sounds super cool. I'm going to throw one in. But the reality is, is that without a lot of, you know, mental exercises, the encounter goes like this. Uh-oh, something's maybe here. Uh, surprise, there's a bullet. Ground attack, stun, everyone roll initiative. Uh, we spend the next five to ten rounds just hacking away at this thing as it bites us. Yeah. And you're pretty ineffectual because it's got a very high armor class, meaning that, you know, there's a lot of misses going around. Yeah. I mean, you were expecting something so cool. And what you got was turn after turn of just hacking away at something. And throughout the years, there's been relatively little about how they behave, how they interact and hunt and what they hunt and their tactics and like even how they tunnel. Not very much of that has been added to the boulette. There's a few lore details, but we need some stuff that's going to make them more interesting to players and more usable for DMs. So let's find some of that stuff out in the strategy stateroom. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Well, as we do, let's do a recap on the bullet. Uh, just a quick, you know, we're going to go through the stat block before we actually start adding stuff that will create a better encounter and a better lead up to the encounter. So this is a large monstrosity. Its armor class is 17, which means it's very hard to hit. That's natural armor. It's got those plates. It's got 94 hit points, which means you're, you could very well hack away at this thing for a turn or two. 
its speed is a highlight because it's 40 feet and it's got a burrow speed of 40 feet, which means that's faster than the average adventurer. Pretty tough to get away from these once they've erupted on the scene. Well, that's what makes the bullet actually an interesting monster. It means that it's keeping up with adventures no matter where they're going. It's a pursuit creature. Yeah. So without really thinking through how the encounter could go and other aspects to the encounter that could make it really shine, you're basically forcing players to fight this thing. Since they're not going to be able to run away, they have to stand their ground and fight. Or learn to fly real quick. That helps you get away. <laughs> it's... Main stats are strength with a 19 and constitution with a 21, which means it's the absolute epitome of a tank. It just stands there and beats the shit out of you. Also not great for a really dynamic encounter. <laughs> As sure. a DM, you can just be like, I can weather these blows, sure. It's intelligence is two, which means, yes, it's very, very dumb. But the way I like to think about monsters and the more animalistic ones, they've got instincts, and those instincts are going to help them become really good hunters and killers. And I think the instincts are tied to wisdom more than intelligence. Mm -hmm. And this thing has a wisdom of 10, so it's fine in the instinct department. Other notable features, it has dark vision out to 60 feet. It's got tremor sense, which is a really key component to the boulette. Like, this is how it does surprise attacks. It pops out of the ground when it feels something walking near it. Yeah. Without that, it would just be sitting under the dirt. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hanging out. What am I doing? <laughs> when am I going to eat? Maybe you'd find one one day and it would just be hanging. One of my favorite things about the boulette, and honestly, its biggest feature is its ability to jump. Its long jump is up to 30 feet and its high jump is up to 15 feet. And that's my favorite visual of the boulette is bursting forth from the ground in a spray of earth and stone as the party is just like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> and there's a land shark on the scene all of a sudden. I mean, that really does kind of evoke all of those images of a shark coming out of the water. It's got a seal in its mouth or it's just like I've seen a couple of those videos where the shark just pummels. And it, it doesn't even hang on to its prey. It just sends it rocketing through the sky. Yeah, it's just punting it. I feel really bad for those <laughs> seals. Unless it's a deal that the seal made. Like, I want to fly. <laughs> Send me into the stratosphere. You think that's the interaction? That's the relationship that those two have? Maybe. I'm just trying to be optimistic. <laughs> I've got some bad news for you, brother. Fair enough. So the other thing here, though, is this is just like a standing leap. And so now the bullet in this combat is just kind of like hopping and hitting people. And it's like Mario jumping around. Yeah. Battle. <laughs> I don't know. Just there's there's some work there to be done for sure. But that leans into its like deadly leap as well, where if it basically jumps, it lands. The players have to make a DC 16 strength or deck saving throw or they're knocked prone for an additional bunch of damage or slashing. Like, so there's just this function where you knocks everyone prone and now they have to get back up and they lose part of their movement. And I, I don't know, there's, it's kind of missing something, isn't it? Well, that ability, I don't think is missing anything because I think that's one of the most fun, like surprise abilities that I've seen in D&D. But it's what comes after that, which is bite. Bite is its only other action. 
and it's like every other bite or claw that you've seen just does damage. So this really does amount to Bolette emerges, jumps, knocks everyone over, bites, take a bunch of hits, give a bunch of hits, jump, knock prone again, bite, <laughs> and repeat until something dies. Yep. You know, I've been kind of harsh on its actions thus far. And I think what we need to do to potentially fix this is really lean into what builds up to this moment. And how do we make sure that the bullet is sold? Because that's the thing, is that it just kind of bursts out of the ground. All of the players have very little chance to really, like, build some tension or see this thing coming and dread a little bit. Yeah. There's not much to say that, hey, a bullet is near. It just pounces, and now you're in a combat. And that doesn't feel great to me. Jaws would have been a very different movie if it was an hour and a half of a sailing trip with nothing going wrong. <laughs> and then just a shark showed up, jumped on the deck of the ship and started plowing through sailors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's my that's where I'm going with this. We need to build some tension. We need to set the stakes. And the best way to do that is to actually look at its original inspiration, which was a shark as well as an armadillo and a snapping turtle. That's a wonderful combination of all of the animals that my five-year-old self adored for their gnashing qualities. They're also incredibly rich veins to be mined because I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about sharks before. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure we've talked about snapping turtles. So hopefully we don't retread too much old content here. But let's let's really sit down and let's look at what we can take from these animals to inject into our bullet encounter. Right. So I think something we cannot miss from the shark is the feeding frenzy. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure scientists were kind of just like, this is wild shit. And we don't know why they do it. They just go to town on each other, tear <laughs> each other apart. <laughs> this is a violent display. I can immediately see... In my mind's eye, what a boulette feeding frenzy looks like. And it is not pretty. Yeah, that's pretty exciting in a very, very violent and dark kind of way. What this makes me think of, though, is a little bit of strategy for the players. If they know that boulettes will kind of attack each other, a boulette's weakness could be encountering another boulette. The party could try and lure a boulette into another one's territory. or And that's already so much better because it means that there's more strategy to an encounter beyond, I'm going to fight this bullet. Yeah. If the other players know that, you're absolutely right. Other things can happen here. I'm giving my players options for how they want to deal with this thing. It's also pretty epic, because if the party thinks that they've finally vanquished a bullet, then they see a whole bunch more coming in from all sides. Oh, like that's shit. That's bad news. Yeah. And sharks also have the ability to sense blood pretty far away. And while in our culture, that's been overblown quite a bit to the <laughs> degree where we think that if we dip our toe in an ocean, then the small cut might draw in sharks from the entire sea. <laughs> while in reality, they can some sharks can smell it up to like a quarter mile away. And it doesn't send them into a blood frenzy instantly. And it also doesn't reach them instantly. But for storytelling purposes and for fantasy purposes, let's keep the legend alive. 
let's <laughs> let's talk about instantaneous blood sense. Yeah. Like the idea that if you're fighting something else in a boulette territory and your character gets cut and that cut splays on the ground, now you're in serious trouble. That's fun to me. Hell yes. These things could easily be that kind of roving predator that is, you know, just kind of opportunistic. If something's weakened, if something's smaller than it, and it senses blood anywhere, why wouldn't it go and get a free meal? Yeah. It's funny that we're talking about this whole blood sense thing, because in our last patron hangout on our Discord, we had Dangerous Marmalade, one of our patrons, suggest blood sense as well. And it just so happens that we were right on the same page together. And he actually sent a full, like, ability write-up for the boulette with blood sense. And I love it. It goes, if the boulette has tasted the blood of a creature, it knows the most direct route to that creature or object if it is within 10 miles of the boulette and standing on the ground. Beyond this radius, the bullet has advantage on perception checks to track that creature. That's great. You're not getting away. Super cool yeah. addition to the bullet. One that ramps it up to 100 for sure. A really cool thing that sharks do is make large circles around their prey and slowly bring it in, get a little closer until they're ready to strike. And the bullet could do that to great effect. Because if you imagine that the boulette has a target and they start making huge circles around them and then your party, as they're crossing the grasslands of the boulette, comes across a trench from one of these circles, they have to now take their time, get their horses or carts or equipment across. It takes a little bit. Meanwhile, that boulette is making another circle around where they are now. It's getting smaller. A tighter circle. Yeah. Yes. And the party comes across another trench. What the hell's going on here? And a tighter circle is being formed until all of a sudden, somebody in the party notices the boulette circling way too close. <laughs> and like the ground kind of falling away as it tunnels yeah, in yeah. that tight circle. They know it's imminent. It's right there. And again, I think that's the instincts of the boulette. It does that to all land animals that it's hunting. So it's not like a super intelligent strategy. It's just what it do. <laughs> it's what the boulette do. <laughs> well, the other thing to kind of take away from the shark is their electroreception. And this is the factoid that I think we've talked about in the past. I mean, who can recall 140 some odd episodes, <laughs> but they have these like little gel sacs that can actually sense the electrical field that a body puts off or a, a fish in the, in the shark's case. Yeah, that's pretty Goddamn frightening. Senses that I, Jordan, cannot imagine having. Yeah. That's where it gets freaky. But apparently hammerheads can go so far as to even find prey buried underneath the sand like stingrays. And that's a real bummer for the stingray who thinks they're <laughs> super safe under there. Well, I love this idea that bullets could be hunting the player characters no matter where they are. They can sense their blood because they had a quick run in with them. And now there's no hiding. Yeah, it's always going to be tracking you. But I think this could also be fun strategically for the players because running could trigger their tremor sense even more because, yes, tremor sense technically only has a range of 60 feet. But, I mean, like any other sense, you can still perceive things outside of that, just not very well. So it yeah. can still go in the general direction 
of someone sprinting or, you know, a horse running across the field. To me, that means if you were to move within that 60 feet, it's going to know exactly where you are. Yeah. If you ran or stomped or did anything big out to like 300 feet, it's still going to know the general vicinity. It's going to be able to say like, oh, there's something that direction. Yeah. It doesn't know if it's a lightning strike or a person, but it knows something is moving. Off it goes. It needs to do a little investigation. Mm -hmm. So what's really cool about this is that we get into a bit of that strategic combat. So if we're in a combat with a bullet, we have this potential. We know that calling in more bullets is a potential here. So when the caster goes down... Do I run to get them back up? Do I move slowly so as to not call more bullets in? Yeah. Like, there's some scary propositions there. I like the idea of throwing weaker monsters at the party while they're in bullet territory. Something that flies maybe like a sturge. Because again, like you're saying, you're not moving fast to help your party members out because that'll call in something terrible. Oh, so like if players knew yeah. that this was the case, they're going to move real careful through bullet territory. I'd even throw down an actual mechanical rule so that the players know what's up. Like if you go over half your speed, then you're going to call in something. And with stuff like this, the more your players know, the better. Like make it clear that this is a mechanical disadvantage that's happening because then there's tension. It'd be neat if it even had some kind of a symbiotic relationship with the Sturge. Like, let's say the Sturge lands on the surface of its territory and starts vibrating. And if your party does know that vibration equals bad, then all of a sudden it's not a fight against the Sturges. It's a fight to make sure the Sturges don't land and vibrate. This is diabolical because what you're proposing is that now there are two creatures that are basically helping each other out. The Sturge eats the fallen PC's <laughs> corpses. Yeah, exactly. And the bullet gets a free meal because the Sturge is like, hey, buddy, get on over here. There's a free meal walking through the grasslands. That's some dark shit. All right, let's move on to the armadillo. All right. Well, my favorite of the armadillo family is the screaming hairy armadillo. <laughs> So I think that's all it needs to be said because that name rules. That is a scientist who just kind of gave up (laughs) and was probably pissed off at the last interaction that they had with the screaming hairy armadillo. So that comes from the sound it makes when it's threatened. But that does not mean that they're cowards because they've been known to throw their bodies on top of snakes killing the snakes by cutting them with the sharpened edges of their shells. Sorry, not sharpened. Naturally, just sharp. It's not like they're sitting there. <laughs> they're filing them down. <laughs> yes. They're natural shells and cutting these snakes in half. That conjures so much. Like, we need to kind of break that down for just a moment. Because a screaming, terrifying, bull- screaming bullets. Yeah. Even more terrifying. Like, what the hell kind of noise is a creature like that going to be making? I really like the idea of like a super loud, powerful shriek from a boulette because that's not really the sound you would imagine it making in the first place. So it's going to be extra unsettling. Oh, yeah. And the other piece here 
is that we've got an armored monster, both the armadillo and the bullet, fairly heavily armored. And I love the idea that the armadillo just yeets itself onto prey <laughs> and just like thrashes around. And to be clear, it yeets itself onto predators <laughs> and thrashes around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another fun little fact about the armadillo is that their first choice when getting through a river or stream is to walk along the bottom underneath the water. And they can hold their breath for about six minutes. Which to me, when the party strategizes and tries to cross a river to escape the bullet, that ain't working. Yeah. Oh, that of course the party's going to think, yeah, let's cross something that will flood its tunnels or something like that. Yeah. And it just, it's following them anyways. <laughs> well, and if you take it the one extra level, like we can get him some wild territory if we take it to the fantasy extreme, you've got bullets that can withstand the temperatures and hold their breath through lava flows or something equally as like terrifying. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty metal. Bullets swimming through lava. I like the idea of a volcano being packed with them. A volcano spawning ground for bullets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just shooting them out the top as it erupts. <laughs> this is bad. We gotta move. <laughs> We've got a volcano that's throwing bullets. <laughs> yeah, if there isn't a heavy metal guitar riff playing underneath that scene, <laughs> yep. you've, you've screwed up. <laughs> the bullets play them as they shoot out of the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk quickly about the snapping turtle then. They got shells... Turtles are cool, but something that stands <laughs> I about like turtles. <laughs> something that stands out about this nasty little bastard is that they're cannibalistic. Oh no. So apparently 80% of the stomach contents of adult snappers was other adult snappers. Yikes. So they're just munching on each other. Yeah. Don't go hunting with another adult snapper because they're gonna turn on you real quick. And one more kind of really cool twist that came from one of our patrons, Michelle T, talked about how she really likes to approach Boulette specifically as being kind of like Pokemon in the sense that they have evolutions. So I really dug this idea of starting from like a small Boulette and then even having a medium-sized Boulette. So there's some variations that can say move a little bit faster but then you get into the large, which is the regular size, and then you definitely got to do a, an extra large. Oh, yeah. That's where it gets juicy. A whole bunch of bullets popping around, and then one massive one just gobbles them all up real quick. Uh-oh. Hell yes. I need this to exist, because the kind of fear that I can instill in my players when they fight and fell a bullet, and they go, hell yes, we're the great heroes. We just killed a boulette. And they start flexing. That's when the DM returns the flex and a gigantic boulette surfaces. Crawls out of a volcano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for the ideas, Michelle and Dangerous Marmalade. And with that, I think we'll put all of that together into some kind of a usable adventure outline. Well, we obviously were talking about monsters the bullet is a hunting predator. It is everything that a good monster movie is made out of. So this fits really well, I think, with the horror matrix. Absolutely. We did a series of three episodes called The Bones of Horror. So go listen to those if you want to dive deeper. 
But as a quick recap, the steps of that are setting up the normal, what it looks like before things get scary, getting into unease where something might be wrong. That's the vibe you want to portray with unease. Then getting into dread where something's definitely wrong and it's going to be very bad. Then stepping it up into terror where something terrible is just around the corner and it's going to devour us all. And then horror. That's when you reveal the terrible thing. Usually the monster. Well, the reason this fits with the bullet so well is because that is the typical way because the bullet can hide itself so well. It stays buried. It uses tremor sense. It pounces. And that's basically the horror stage. When it pounces, that's horror. That's the end of this whole adventure. So if we're trying to make players scared of a monster... Jumping to exactly what the bullet does means that we've sucked all of the tension out of this. We've just basically surprised players. And while that's interesting in theory, in practice, it's kind of hollow. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good. So we need to use this building action, this rising action to tease our players and let them know that there's a monster around. But like we kind of talked about, I think that there's a tweak that we can add to this so that we can use the bullet multiple times without actually having them fight it. What if we shift the typical idea of showing the monster? That's horror. That's the very last step. But what if that wasn't the actual monster? What if the horror stage is actually the feeding frenzy that they enact because they fought the bullet. Yes. So instead of the monster reveal, it's the feeding frenzy reveal yeah. that we're building up to. Exactly. That's super cool because there's a lot of visuals of a bullet that I want to include in an adventure like this, but it, that's nearly impossible if you're saving it all for the reveal. But let's set up some kind of a, a premise here. And we'll keep it really simple. So the party you have a time limit to get the macguffin from point a to point b and the only way you can make it is through bullet territory this is the premise for almost every creature feature kind of movie like you're here to do a job and then a creature shows up yeah and we gotta add in a time limit because that creates some pressure and makes it really easy to give the party difficult decisions along the way Adding that time limit means that the adventure is not about fighting the bullet. The bullet is an obstacle that's now standing in your way. So what is the actual premise then? Like, what are we going to do for a story here? Right. Create an actual fiction. So what if a community in the mountains has been trapped in their homes under some kind of a landslide? Maybe there's a dwarven crew nearby and they can rescue them, but they just need a shipment of adamantine to create the right tools to do so. Yeah, yeah. Adamantine tips for their picks. Yeah, they're doing what they can in the meantime, but to actually help these people, we got to get some stuff there right now. Totally, okay. So the players, uh, see, this works even better. Adamantine weighs a ton. Yeah. They've got a crate full (laughs) of adamantine, and they are going to have to use some kind of cart, which means all of our concentric circles are going to really mess with them yeah unless of course they have a couple of goliath barbarians on the team (laughs) who can just (laughs) heave it those brutes yeah in order to do this we're going to start with normal so we need to set up 
what is normal so that later on the horror feels like horror. So normal in this situation is the party just reaching the nice idyllic town kind of bordering the Bulat territory. And this is where they're going to get the mission to help out this poor trapped community. Yeah, it needs to be really like clean and nice and countryside and right next to beautiful sprawling grasslands that go on as far as the eye can see. Like you can see the distant mountains cloaked in fog. Yeah, it's real peaceful. Then we step it up into unease. And this is where the party might see some serious fences or at least signs on the edge of town that say, don't go into these grasslands. Stay out. Yeah. It's gotta, yeah, it's gotta be subtle. We don't want to go too hard quite yet. We want to build some tension. So I'm thinking like an old coot, you know, the, the typical one that starts the monster movie that's like, I've seen it once. Yeah. I saw the bullet. He's <laughs> got uh, tons of scars. Oh, He's yeah. mostly scars. <laughs> It's just one big scar. <laughs> and he's going to talk about the one thing that the town doesn't dismiss of the old Coots ramblings, which is when he talks about the Night of Screams. Yeah, and if that, that'll probably get the attention of uh, at least one party member. Well, this is where we can lay in that whole thing about the, the screaming armadillos. Because if you have a feeding frenzy that maybe nobody in town really saw. Yeah. But there's a feeding frenzy, and you've got some bullets being the aggressors, so they're roaring. Then you've got other ones being fed on, so they're screaming. And it's just this, like, holy shit cacophony in the middle of the night yeah. that the entire town woke up for. And the old coot says, hey, I've seen it once before, long, long time ago, it took out most of my friends, we were a caravan company, and he's the one that put up the signs. Yeah. And of course, that night was a, there was a fog rolling over the grasslands, so even if you wanted to look, you ain't seen shit. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. So they're all really, like, superstitious about the grasslands. Yeah. The old coot says it's a bullet. Nobody else believes it. They all just stay out. And as such, there's a road that goes up the windy mountains. It takes, like, 10 times longer to get to the other side but nobody just goes through the grasslands anymore and it's absolutely clear like we need to make it clear to the party that they will not make it to the buried town on time if they take that mountain road yeah it takes like a week to get there everyone's gonna be dead by then yeah they need to cut across the grasslands they get the warnings the players made that choice this has the setup of a really uneasy adventure yeah keep peppering in details like just came to mind you could have some kids playing kind of a little too close to the grasslands and some parents like shoo them back and like berate them like do not do not go over there that's perfect for unease yeah now we need to move into dread and this is where we move from like subtle passive hints that are happening to other people to hints that are basically slapping our players in the face about there is danger here. Yeah, and this will happen when the party actually goes into the grasslands. This is when you start peppering in dread. One of the major opportunities here is to have the party find the, the pit that the last feeding frenzy took place in. That was a long time ago, so Ooh. it's grown over a bit. Yeah. But if they get in there and take their time, they're going to find 
the carnage, the bones from other boulettes that are broken and shattered. And, you know, you can, you can add in as many details as you want here. You can have bits of their armor, like describe a sheet of stone, like rough sandpaper on one side, but it seems organic. I like that because this gives our ranger and our druid some investigation. They get to get in there. They get to find bones of maybe people from that caravan, yeah. that first one that crossed, that tangled with the bullet. They can find uh, dwarven remains and all of these animal carcasses and then, uh, you know, vultures and all of these pieces that they get to go, what the hell happened here? And all of the dirt is just permanently stained around there with the the taint of blood. <laughs> and if you want to reward the party here, you can even have that old coot tell them that, you know, they lost a magic item. They left it behind. Bring it back. But it'll also help you in your fight. Nice. Maybe? Yeah, that's good. But like we said, we can actually show the boulette because the boulette is not the horror in this case. We're going to build up to that with that being the feeding frenzy, another feeding frenzy. They've seen some of the evidence of it. So we're free to show the bullet. Yeah, there's a lot you can do with that in the dread stage. So like, you know, they could come across an actual big chunk of another bullet that has been torn in half. Ooh, they could find all of these concentric circles. You know, they're... Maybe it doesn't even collapse in. You know, we're talking about the bullet kind of tunneling underneath the surface of the ground. But maybe some areas actually hold up. And so when players actually walk over those spots, they collapse a little bit, making it difficult to rain. Yeah. So now they're having their their process is slowing down. They're having to heave this huge hunk of adamantine or this crate over these pits. They're trying to move the horses. They're trying to move the wagons. And they can see the bullet in the distance. Yeah, almost watching them or kind of moving through the terrain. If the party tries to get strategic and finds themselves a vantage point, you could show them a distant hunt in process. Like you could have an injured auroch, which is one of those big D&D bisons, fleeing across the plains. Maybe it's already injured. Maybe it's limping along. And... All of a sudden, it gets violently pulled under the earth. Or you see the thing come out and grab it and pull it down. You see the head. They've been moving slow enough that they're not the primary target. The auroch is. Yeah. And as soon as the auroch is gone, they are now the next largest target. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Or here's a fun one. In the distance, the party could see a boulette on an outcropping. That's maybe like a 40-foot high ledge over the grasslands. And as the party spots it, they see the bullet sitting on the edge of it, watching them. And kind of as soon as they make that eye contact, the bullet just drops off and dives straight into the earth. Not to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Where's it going? And now we can hop into that terror stage because this is actually more or less the bullet fight. We want the players to come into contact with the bullet. So they're starting to see more depressions kind of blocking their path. They're starting to get hints of some of these rings that they've been told about in the past. Oh, yeah, it circles you first. And now they know that the hunt is on. Yeah, it's getting closer. They're feeling the occasional rumble themselves, getting a little, little taste of their own tremor sense. 
And of course, this is when you do the thing, the thing that we all envision when we think of the boulette, have it burst out from the earth and slam them all down and the fight is on. This is a huge part of what you've been building towards. Yeah. And we actually get to fight the boulette and then we get to beat the boulette and then we go, yeah, team win. (laughs) And then we start to see more converge on our location because the bullet's blood is now seeping into the ground we've finally beaten it yeah describe blood as much as you can in this fight (laughs) make it a focus so that the players start to sweat about it hell yes it's blood your blood anybody that gets hit that blood is hitting the ground and now we're talking about that feeding frenzy And keep in mind that the boulette is a survivor. So, you know, when it's at a quarter or half health, that's when it's going to start to try to flee. So I think where you really reveal the horror of the feeding frenzy is when the boulette that you're fighting turns tail. You all throw your arms up. We did it. It's running. And as it gets a little bit away, like three or four other boulettes just come up and tear that thing to shreds. And that is going to encapsulate that terror that we want from our players when they go, holy shit, we all just got kind of like we were successful. Yeah. But barely with this bullet. Yeah. Yeah. They get the win and now they go, oh, we're absolutely fucked. There's five (laughs) of them. We have to get out of the grasslands now. And this changes it because, again, that bullet fight on its own is not particularly thrilling it's everything that's leading up to and after the bullet fight it's all of the getting over some of the obstacles and all of the dread that's kind of setting in and now now it's not just a bullet fight now it's a we're gonna run from this natural disaster that's about to befall us yeah and then you you get to finish it all off with a chase out of the grasslands away from the dozens of you know leaping tunneling it's just a wall behind you of bullets as you claw to get to some safe spot and what i love about this is there's a couple of different ways that we can finish this even with some of the ideas that our patrons put forth because option one you describe a hill forming behind you where there wasn't one before Big earthquake time. Was that was that hill always there? Nope, it's just the back of a bullet, a giant one pushing the earth up. Now yeah. you've met Alpha Bullet. Or option B, we described some of the player's blood hitting the ground. You know, the player characters, one of them got hit, they bled on the ground. Like the whole blood sense thing goes, they might get left alone. You know, they might escape this feeding frenzy just fine. But there's about five or six other bullets that now have the taste of their blood and can bloodhound them <laughs> to the next settlement that they show up at. And now the bullet comes out of the ground in the middle of town, in the middle of the market. Now this is a different kind of fight. Yeah. It's not just a straight up boring ass shot for shot bullet fight. This has some other dynamics, some other elements happening here. Damage control. Yeah, yeah, it's going to make it so much better. So you're saying haunt the players forever with bullets. 
Hell yes. <laughs> this will never end. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's some really fun options to bring this whole thing home. Well, speaking of never ending, our love of patrons and all of their support that they give us. Truly. Truly never ends. We will haunt you like a bullet. <laughs> we will chase you down no matter how far you go. To thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not not anything that Travis was leading towards, just a thank you. Yeah, and big this hug and a thank you. Genuine thanks goes out to Marley R. Gar the Pirate. Time Warp. Nico Y. Zach G. No Ma'am. Michelle T. Alan E. Felix R. Chris F. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. Nevermore. Thomas W. Tyler G. Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldrost. Leprechaun. And Will HP. Thanks also to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. You can join an awesome community of players or DMs by joining our Discord. Thanks Thanks for for listening listening and and say no to cannibalism. Should have been obvious. Pretty safe, thanks.